Dens. Hello, Adam. Hey, my man. Is that Hello, you? <laughs> of course it's me. Who else would it be? It's oh, a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, you know, for our audience here, you know, you and I had a conversations about, you know, this episode, episode number two for us. You know, being about your story uh, and, you know, your experience with substances so folks can kind of hear a really intimate story of, you know, how this this disease, we call it, or, you know, the progression of use occurs in people's lives. And so I think it would be, um, you know, really important to kind of, you know, share that kind of detailed story. And obviously for me, uh, I want to respect you and what you have to share and um, hopefully, you know, uh, you're comfortable in, in sharing what you want to share and uh, the o- audience will, you know, um, you know, take some notes and, you know, see, you know, be impacted by, by this. So you're saying you told me that you, that I was going to be sharing my story. We, colla- what we, we collaborated. Uh, okay. I'm trying to remember that, but okay. No, no, no. I, it's good. It's all good. Yes. Consenting. I give consent. Um, so you just want me to jump right in? Is this? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Talk, talk about where you know, it, you know, you know yeah. how how it made sense for you, and kind of you know how it how it occurred. You know, the smaller stuff, and you know, the progression. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was I was born in. I was born, raised in in Everett, Mass, and have two young two younger brothers. One three years younger, one seven years younger. Mom and dad um, together, together to this day, forty five years married. Um, a lot of love in the home that I that I felt. Um, I was I was born with with rare um, stomach condition and definitely played played a role in my my upbringing for sure. Um, but some, some major surgeries when I was, when I was born and for a few years thereafter and quality of life wasn't the best based on, based on that, the, due to that condition, um, had some, some difficulties, um, but miraculously was able to live a normal, you know, be kind of a normal kid, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I I just realized I used to say my first drink was was at 15, but a couple of years ago it came to uh, I had some insight or some memory I guess some memory that um, at six or seven I was going over my grandparents for a Sunday dinner Italian family and um, you know I was going over there and they would offer Sprite with the wine like wine mixed with Sprite that was like the thing right. Mm. <laughs> And I was going over there and I remember, I remembered on my, like the drive to my grandparents, like asking my mom, Hey, is the Sprite with the wine? Am I going to be able to, can I have some of that mummy? You know, like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'd always ask for like a little bit more too, after that first glass. So even that young, like there was some type of obsession or something intrigued. going on, you know? Yeah. Intrigued. Yeah. I was intrigued by this by this substance um yeah definitely and and i 
as early too, like you'll hear of this, like people hear of this, like a lot from like alcoholics and addicts that, um, you know, they're like a chameleon and they could fit into like all different groups and so forth. And I was definitely that I fit that stereotypical addict alcoholic in that way mm -hmm. where, um, I remember that in, and my mom still says this too. Like she talks about how my first grade teacher, she would say to my mom that Adam, oh, Adam, he's going to be a cruise director <laughs> when he grows up. And I'm like, cruise director? The but, derogatory? I mean, no offense to <laughs> cruise directors, to our audience. <laughs> well, she said that because I mingled with everyone during snack time and lunchtime. I'd go around to each. Yeah, I'd go, right, exactly. I'd go around to everyone, all the different groups, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone and eat a little bit with everyone, I guess. And um, and that, you know, that carried on. Like, I remember, you know, in high school, I did, you know, similar stuff, you know. As gr growing, up throughout the, growing, growing up throughout the years, I continued to, you know, hang with all the different groups, you know. And, and um you know, I needed to keep the smart kids close by in case I needed to cheat on a test, right? I needed to, you know, keep the jocks close by and hang with them. So, you know, maybe I'd look cool or be able to get a, you know, ask a girl out and easier or something, you know, yeah. or, or, um, you know, I'd hang with on the corner with like the freaks. That's what we call them anyways. But, <laughs> um, you know, I hung around with all these different kids and really, you know, it was to serve, you know, serve a purpose for me so I could get what I needed when I needed it from who I needed it from, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, um, and so, you know, 15 years old, I'm, I'm invited to a keg party or I, I hear about a keg party and, um, like I'm going to this keg party, me and my, me and some of my friends, and we meet up at um, Pope John High School, the, the local Catholic high school in the in the town, and um, we met up and we walked over to the Everett Projects, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It was Halloween themed, and we walked in, and I grabbed the red solo cup and I filled it up with with the keg there. And so you were invited to this party, though, right, Adam? It wasn't just like. I mean, every, I felt like everyone was invited, you know? I felt like if you heard about the party, like, you were going. Or Who's you the were buzz around get, school? You were able to get in, you know? So I don't know. Okay. I mean, I'm sure, like, you paid for, you know, I think you had to pay a finner at the door, you know, for, you know, you're donating to the keg. So What's a finner, Adam, for the audience? A five, five dollar bill. Five so, dollar. like, I had five on it, you know? So, go in and so um you know i i you know i'm i'm bringing the cup to my lips and like really like it started like i felt like relieved of fear anxiety and worries um like as soon as it touched my lips and once it entered my body like my system like it was on like i i i'm like i need to get as much of a substance in me as possible and like i was told like growing up from my mom and dad, like they would say, everything in moderation, Adam, everything in moderation. Sure. <laughs> and yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's good advice, right? It's good advice. Uh -huh. Good contemplation. Yeah. Definitely. And 
I'm like, well, I'm going to get as much of this in me as possible. And when once it becomes a problem, because it will, because I'm not moderating this, right? Um, you know, then I'll just stop, right? I'll be able to just stop when it becomes an issue. Unbeknownst to me, I, I just, alcoholism and addiction doesn't really work that way, right? Yeah. So within, we're talking like, it progressed rapidly. Like within like a couple weeks of that keg party, I'm showing up to school drunk. Um, within like a month or two, I'm smoking pot. Within six months to a year, I'm starting to take pills. And basically like within that year, I became like, you know, what I call like a garbage pail, right? Like a garbage pail kid. Mm. Um, Basically, if it you know if it was on the table, like I was very it in... dated reference, FYI. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, so I became, you know, if it was on the if it was there, I was putting it into my system and, um, <clears throat> you know, trying to change the way I felt, you know. And <clears throat> now I'm like, excuse me, I'm starting to my grades are you know, declining along with my drug use is increasing. My grades are going down and like, I'm, I'm barely like about like, I'm, I may not graduate type of thing, type of grades. And, and can I just uh, jump in here for a second? I mean, are your parents ca- catching wind of this? Like what's their involvement with you? Um, what's the interactions going on there? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, this con- this conversation, like Adam, you showed, you know, this show, you showed up drunk, like um, you were sick all night at the house, like you're you're grounded for like a week, and mm-hmm. I just would sne- I would sneak out, I I, <clears throat> I would sneak out of my room, like I I jump off out of my second floor window, I jump, I would jump out of it mm-hmm. to to go out, you know. Um, like I just was total like defiant, rebellious, and I yeah, and I think they, after a while, they got tired. Like I wore them out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and but like they wouldn't stop. They kept on like having conversation with me about how I was messing, you know, I was, you know, messing, th- you know, getting messed up all the time, and like, you know, what can we do to help you? Type of conversations, but I wasn't hearing it, and they were so beat like exert like any type of like punishment i guess right Mm. so so now you know i'm 18 you know i barely graduate i have some close friends that are going away to college i have um this community college that i can go to um that my my mom is willing to pay for and i can't even walk through the door at the community college i make it to the door and i just see her a group of people and I just would take off and get, get high. Right. <clears throat> and that went on. Like I faked, like I was going to college college, you know, for, to my parents for like the first semester. Right. Sure. Seltzer is so good. Huge fan of cranberry limes, lime seltzer. Just in case people are wondering. Um, so I, you know, now at 18, I'm introduced to Oxycontin and I start taking a lot of that and, you know, which is opiate <clears throat> and, um, you know, that's 
taking more and more to be able to, you know, because I'm building up what they call, you know, dependence, tolerance to the substance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I get my, I get arrested for the first time um, and quickly get arrested like a second time within like six months of the first arrest. And my, my PO, like my PO and my parents, you know, basically, you know, forced treatment on me, forced me to go into detox <clears throat> and I go into detox. I have mom and dad's insurance still, and I'm, I'm not really understanding what I have. I don't really know about addiction or alcoholism in the way that like someone needs to know about it to be able to recover, right. To be able to heal. Okay. And I'm, and I'm in there and I'm on the phone with my mom yelling at her about she's taking the car away from me. And I'm running into group complaining about how the car is going to be taken away from me. I mean, it's not really my car. My mom's paying for everything, you know? Um, <clears throat> and I get out of there and I'm able to stay clean and stay away from like my using friends for like a couple of weeks, maybe at the most mm. get out of there. And my addiction just progressed. Like it, it, it prog- from like, when I got out of detox that first time, like <clears throat> when I picked back up, like a couple weeks later, like my addiction progressed even further down the road, um, if you can believe it. And I'm, I'm starting, you know, I pick up the Oxycontin, but now I start, um, I'm introduced to heroin and I start sniffing some of that. Um, and that becomes more of a thing. And <clears throat> I think that in down you know, the, the addiction stuff is like, it's just progressing so fast and I can't really, I can't make heads or tails of really what's going on. I'm very like delusional state. Like I, you know, I'm just, I'm doing so much of addiction stuff and not, I'm not doing anything else with my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I'm 21 and my, I, I have this, I have this a big arrest. I get arrested with like three over 300 ecstasy I had on me. I'm, I'm taking heroin and Oxycontin and my PO, my probation officer at the time, the same one from when I was 18, I have a Mm -hmm. 21 and she's like leans in close to me. Like the next day after I got arrested, she leans in close and she's like, you're going to go to jail if you don't get it, go back into treatment for long-term treatment in the next 24 hours. And for the first time, I'm kind of like scared. Mm. I'm like, whoa, like the PO never laid into me like that before. Like that made it real. Yeah. It felt different, you know? Yeah. And so I, through a chain of a chain of events, I, go into treatment and I don't have mom and dad's insurance at this time. And I'm going, I, I go into this place in river street and Mattapan mass. Right. And this place was, you know, like kind of garbage compared to what I went to before, you know, cockroaches and all that stuff, you know, mm. I definitely, you know, very nonprofit, yeah. you know, like, Bare bones. like right. <clears throat> and I go in there and, I'm detoxing off opiates and the last day of like my next to last day there case manager comes up to me. Any idea what you want to do when you leave here? And I just like mouth the words that my PO told me to to say. And I said, 
yeah, I, I need to go to long-term treatment. I need to go into aftercare, right? That's what my PO told me to say. Hmm. And next, <laughs> the next day, I'm being chipped to like a, a men's holding, like a transitional support service um, to wait to go into like even longer care treatment. Mm-hmm. And I'm... <clears throat> And I'm in like the treatment world now, you know, now I'm really in the treatment world. Right. And, you know, I'm going to groups and trying to understand what, what addiction and alcoholism is trying to like get educated. And I end up going into, I'm there for like 30, about 30 days or so. And I go into, I go into a halfway house and I'm in this program and my roommate is has a sponsor he's going to meetings every day the other guys in the house they're doing the same and they're like taking 12 step. they're working like the 12 steps of like aa and na <clears throat> and i'm like i don't want to do any of this stuff mm-hmm. and but like i want to fit in right so it comes kind of back around to mm-hmm. you know i want to fit in too i want people to like me and i don't want to be alone right now feel kind of shitty. Um, so I start going to meetings with these guys and I end up getting a sponsor. Like the guys have a sponsor. So I'm getting a sponsor and they're, you know, they're, um, working steps, 12 steps. And so I start doing that and I'm literally just doing this stuff because everyone else in the house is doing it. Right. Going through the motions. Right. And about like 90 days sober, something something happened like some shift or something like inside inside of me and like i wasn't able to describe it then but like today i know that it was totally like a grace of like higher power um where like i changed where i wanted i changed from not wanting to stay sober to actually wanting to stay clean and sober and so something happened like during that 90 day period. So that's why I like, I think like someone's forced into treatment by the law, like they can still stay clean. Like a lot of people will say, Oh, you can't make anyone stay sober or anything. Right. Well, come from within. Right. Like I was forced into treatment and throughout my course of treatment, something changed where I now wanted to stay clean. Mm hmm. And so I graduate the halfway house and I, um, I continue to like work a program of recovery. Um, I'm sponsoring other guys through the 12 steps. I'm attending meetings regularly. I start like volunteering a lot, like servant doing like a lot of like recovery service work. And like, I'm kind of, I'm knee deep in AA in, in 12 step program. It's like you're you you developed a community or you know, felt comfortable in the community. Right. Oh, totally. They were, they were my people. Like I, I related to them, like they got me, you know, Mm -hmm. and they understood me. And so I, I'm living this life of recovery. I'm doing this. And, um, I, I go, I go back to school. I find a career path and, you know, through that, I, I find, um, you know, I, 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 I get married. Um, I have children, beautiful children. And, you know, all of this is happening. Like all this, all the great stuff that like, um, you know, people that, 
you know, in people in recovery would envision like a life in recovery. And so, you know, I'm living, I'm living a great life in recovery, um, married kids, career, um, and I'm, I'm sponsoring guys and, you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, everything that I need to do to like, to stay in recovery and stay clean. And I go to about, I'd say about years 12, 13 in recovery. Um, you know, I start to, I start what I call like a slippery slope, right? So my AA resume, you know, if you looked at like my recovery resume from like the outside, it looked pretty, it looked pretty damn good. Like meetings every day, you know, ton of meetings, um, you know, sponsoring guys, helping a lot of people, um, you know, meditating, you know, the resume looked good. Um, but I started to not share honestly with my sponsor and I started to not, um, I started to sneak around smoking cigarettes from my, my then wife. Mm. And that was one of the first, like, you know, when I look back on it today, that's one of the first indicators that, you know, I was heading towards, you know, towards relapse right um you know honesty for me like honesty i'm either being like a hundred percent honest with with another person or i'm not right like there's no like half truth there's no like a little honest like white lies um, right i can't afford white lies like i can't do it um maybe you know i know people in recovery some people can um but that's where it started for me, I think, you know, going backwards towards towards a relapse, towards a, a drink and a drug. And um, and the day came, the day, came, you know, going down that slope and I started, you know, the little lies started to be bigger lies. And I started to get sicker, even though I was still going to meetings regularly, sponsoring a group of guys. So the facade um, outside looked... Look, look sober, look, look like in, in recovery. Right, right, exactly. <clears throat> Inside, not doing good at all, right? And I, I went to see a doctor that I didn't know at a walk-in clinic and got a prescription of cough syrup with codeine. Mm. I, go, I go to the CVS, right? I get it. I, I grab you know, I get the cough medicine and in my, in my recovery world, like up until then, like that wasn't my MO. Like I wouldn't, I went through like some surgeries and didn't take pain meds, you know, I'd stay away from anything, you know, if I could. Right. Mm -hmm. And this was different for me. This was intent, intentional, um, you know, motivation. Yeah. Right. Right. And I'm sitting in the parking lot at CVS. I'm like, <clears throat> you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. So I took a sip of it. Like, oh, I'm gonna chug this, right? So I ch- take down the bottle. <clears throat> take down the bottle in like you know less than a minute. And about ten minutes goes by, and fifteen minutes go by, and like nothing hit. Like. No I, what I was looking for did not happen, you mm. know. 
what I was looking for didn't didn't happen. I didn't get the effect that I wanted. And but what that did was it set off that craving, that same physical craving that was set off when I was 21. It was now set off again. And you know, in like the recovery books that that we read that that I read, you know, they call it like phenomenon of craving, like unex- unexplainable, you know, craving to this, you know, to this um substance substance, right? And I can't, you know, once it's in me, I can't stop, right? I need more and more, right? So I start I start drinking, but I quickly move to heroin. I quickly move in that direction. Mm. I get away from the booze. The booze is too uncontrollable. You know, I'm too, you know, un, you know, uninhibited. You know, no, noticeable as a smell. Right, right. So I, I quickly move to to heroin and start start sniffing that, and my my um. My ex, I'm trying to think like, I, I, I'm trying to remember she came home one night maybe and <clears throat> I was passed out. But I think that was, you know, the incident that I'm thinking of was, was booze. And that was like, you know, she's like, what's going on? She was freaked out. Right. And, um, cause I mean, at this point, you know, people think I'm, I'm clean for, you know, for over 14 years at this point. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, really what ends up happening is I end up having to go back into treatment and really to go into like the past six, it's been more than six years. So of me trying to stay in recovery, Um, I thought I could, you know, after relapsing with 14 years, I thought I could just walk right back into, into 12 step recovery and just stay clean. And I, I wasn't able to do that. I wasn't able to just stay right off that relapse, you know, get back, jump right back in. Yeah. Um, so I, I, um, I'm able to get like 60 days here, 30 days here. And more recently about, I had, um, about a year and a half clean and, I had a relapse last February, right? So I I have, you know, at this point I have my, I have like a really good job that I love, um, you know, fully involved with my kids and, you know, things are going, things appear to be going well from the, from the outside and I'm spiraling inside, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, again, like, I'm I'm getting sick on the inside because I'm not being a hundred percent honest with people, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what ends up happening is I pick I, I pick up, you know, throughout these years I I found crack is like a, a my my drug of preference, right? Crack, <clears throat> meth, and um and opiates, right? And what I do, what I do now when I, when I relapse is I just take off. I I don't, I go MIA. I I don't want the people that are closest to me or that love me to see me using. Right. Mm. So whatever I have on going on, Bob Rose, whatever it is, a good job, a home, um, you know, fully involved with kids, you know, whatever it is, I drop it. 
and I'll, I'll hit the streets and I use an, <clears throat> I end up going into Boston and I use, right. And about a year and a half ago. Uh, so I have a year and a half clean and last February I have a relapse and I know I can't manage my life using crack. Right. <clears throat> and so I, I go two days. I'm like, I can go two days cause I'm scheduled to see my kids on Monday. I'm scheduled to walk, you know, see them um, at my old marital home and I can, you know, I can do crack for two days out in society, you know, act like everything's okay. Right. <clears throat> and so I go over, I go over Monday comes, I go over to, to my exes boy, you know, I'm there with the boys. She, <clears throat> she, she leaves to go to a meeting and she texts me. <clears throat> Are you okay, Adam? You, you seem a bit off. I'm like, shit, I'm found. Right. And I text her back quickly. I'm like, Oh, I'm good. Thanks for asking like that. And now I'm, I'm on crack. Like I start to get paranoid and mm -hmm. I start to get so paranoid that I, I need to leave right now. I'm watching my boys. My boys are 10. My boys were nine at the time. <clears throat> Triplet boys who are nine and a little guy that's five. And <clears throat> I'm like, I need to get out of here. So I go upstairs to their rooms. I, I, I take any, any amount of money that they've been saved, these kids, my kids have been saving up for however long. I, you know, I go into their safes. I take every, everything that they have. I go downstairs to the living room where they are. I, I go, boys, gather around. Daddy, <clears throat> daddy needs to leave. He has an emergency. And they're looking at me like, what do you mean you have to, you know, what are you talking about? You just got here, you know? Yeah. I'm saying that, but I could tell that's what they're they're thinking. And mm -hmm. my like, daddy has an emergency, need to leave. And I <clears throat> I still had a car at this at this point, right? And I I go outside to my to my car and my kids are on the porch and one of my kids I is a little different type of like emotional thing that I have with them and he's I'm in my car in the front of the house and he he, he's saying he's asking me to come out come out of the car and give him a hug and a kiss goodbye and mm. <clears throat> I wasn't able to do that I wasn't able to get out and do that and I just drove off I shook my head I remember shaking my head no to him mm. very powerful and I took off and I went <clears throat> I went to um yeah I went to go do what I you know it was it was business wasn't personal you know for me um and so I went you know I I went and I I've been using I've been using on and off you know for the past year and a half I've been for for since last February <clears throat> I've been in and out of treatment every other month um yeah. you know 30 days here um leaving treatment early you know thinking i'm ready going back in and <clears throat> i'm i'm using in this area in boston right that's like 
you have like 500 addicts like it's like safe zone use right you can you know i i, I shoot yeah. up in front of police that are less than a foot in front of me that's the setup over there right um just so you have an idea and mm-hmm. and i my days on the streets are you know basically like on the most basic level it's go left to go boosting for a target steal so and then i could make some money that way or go right to panhandle and get some money that way <clears throat> and then in the midst of all that there's a lot of like other stuff that's going on and like addiction is like a traumatic it's traumatic enough right like just using it, you know i'm harming my body right it's a traumatic experience uh, and then i have all these additional traumas that is happening and You know, you have the trauma that you're causing your your family who don't know where I am. They don't know where I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, literally, you know, my my dad is out with a recovery coach in that area in Boston looking for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm I'm in. You know, my my routine is like. Pan, you know, boosting then panhandling with a lot of like crazy stuff that just ha- happens in that area. You're I'm witnessing physical violence on average every two hours, and we're talking, you know, we're talking severe physical fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, there was <laughs> just a show like how inhumane like where you know addicts on the streets in that area are treated um there was a i think it was june you know this is one of like a million examples of stuff right like it was this night in june um where there was a stabbing right in front of me right dude gets stabbed (laughs) you have like 500 addicts it's like 1 a.m um and the the police are detectives are there. They put the the yellow tape, the crime scene, you know, tape around. And <clears throat> citizens, like regular average people, aren't allowed to go down that area because of the crime scene, or people aren't in, and people are not able to drive in that area. But guess who's able to just stay there in that area and shoot drugs? We are, right? <clears throat> so that's it's just bypassing example. the law almost. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Bypassing law, like we don't even matter enough for to even like for them to put an effort to move like us away out of the area that's being investigated, you know, for serious crime, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um. You know, another, you know, another night there's, um, you know, gunshots fired. You don't, you know, we don't know if they're, you know, the shots are fired like right next to me or a mile away, you know, and people are just running in different directions. This is the stuff that, you know, I started to experience with being homeless in that area. Um, But I'll tell you, like I go back to that area for accessibility. The drug is everywhere, right? And I go to that area 
because there's a, a lot of people using too. So I'm not really alone, right? Mm -hmm. um, everyone in that area has two, three, four Narcans on them, right? Which is the overdose <laughs> uh, medicine for people who are overdosing from opioids, heroin, painkillers. Yeah. Right. And so in the past, in the past year, since that relapse in February experienced um, about 15 overdoses, three of which where I, I, I didn't have a pulse for extended period of time. And there were plenty of times where I, I would get, uh, I would come to from the overdose and just be pissed that I'm awake, that I was narcan, you know? Mm. <clears throat> and, you know, it really speaks for like the desperation of just wanting out, you know, wanting out of this. this yeah, it's cycle. yeah, it's just so difficult. Like I can't, you know, I, I just couldn't move past or through like, the addiction into recovery piece, you know, I was just having such a tough time with it. Um, and so this last, last time, October 17th, I, you know, the way I operate when it, during act addiction is um, as much crack as I can possibly use as much meth and, you know, a side dish of fentanyl for when that all runs out. You know, that's how I, I, I try to do things when I'm, you know, during active addiction. Mm -hmm. And I use, and I'm starting to overdose uh, every time I do a little, the tiniest bit of fentanyl I'm overdosing. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I, October 17th, I, I do a little bit of fentanyl to come off, come down from all the uppers that I was doing and, I, I, surprise, surprise, I overdose, right? Yeah. And I, I come to from out of the overdose. <clears throat> I was Narcan three times. I come with like people yelling at me in my face. You're going to effing die. Will you, will you go get help? Like I'm becoming like liability to people that are out there for like years, right? Like they don't even want to be around me because I'm overdosing so much, right? They're, yeah, I'm being yelled at. You're Just being yelled at by other addicts. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, by addicts who just Narcan me. You know, um, I was through, you know, it's another third Narcan overdose. And I'm having trouble coming out of it. Like when I come out of an, an overdose from being Narcan, like I'm wobbly. I'm, you know, it takes a while for me to, you know, for me to feel okay. You know, it puts me in withdrawal. That's how the, the you know, the Narcan works. Right. And for this particular time, I think because I was Narcan so many times in this instance, it was taking me a while to come out of it. <clears throat> and I end up getting a little nervous. Um, so I end up walking to Boston Medical Center, which is, you know, it's in the area, right? So I'm bumping into things and, you know, I, I feel like everyone's looking at me type of thing. And I, I go to Boston Medical Center. I'm hanging out in front of there. Um, cause I'm a little nervous that I'm going to overdose again and just go back out, you know? And I decide to go into use the bathroom in the emergency room and I go into the bathroom and I, I did something that thank God I did that like today, but like at that time, like, like I looked in the mirror 
and I saw I saw my face and that I saw my face reflecting back and it was scary. I was scared. And I left there <clears throat> and I'm I'm thinking I need to go back into treatment. Mm. And I walked I walked back down to the using area where everyone's using and I I shoot up a bunch of meth. <laughs> You know, because got to do something, right? And I call for treatment, and next thing you know, it I'm going. You know, I'm going back into going back into the rehab that I've been um, I've been going into every other month. Um, hold on, guys. So I go. You know, I get in there and get in there and um and i'm yelling i'm yelling to like the staff get me the f out of massachusetts get me out of mass like that's like mass is the problem you know yeah (laughs) like but you know what like i'm like no i need to like i'm running to boston like every chance i start thinking every time i think of like the drug i'm just taking off and running to boston let me try to change up like my you know, rewire my brain a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of my thought. It was actually pretty helpful. It ended up being a helpful thought, you know, so they're like, they end up sending me not too far away on, you know, they end up sending me to New Hampshire about an hour and a half away far enough. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and I end up being there for four. I, I stay in treatment in New Hampshire for 45 days. And, um, so I went to inpatient for 30, like detox, CSS program, clinical stabilization service, and then to like further rehab program in New Hampshire. And I was there for 45 days um, and discharged to sober living. And I'm now in Beverly, in Beverly Mass. Um, and so I'm got, you know, day by day, God willing, on the 18th, I'll have five months, five months clean. Really? Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. like I don't know I think like you know what do I do today for like my recovery or like what have I been doing um, like things that I do consistently is therapy I do trauma therapy once a week um, just started um, just started um, reunification therapy with like a therapist to, you know I, I still haven't still haven't seen my my kid since i i left him that day um so i'm working you know i'm trying to get some support from um you know a therapist on how to you know eventually re-engage with my you know re-engage with my kids right and how to do that so <clears throat> get some extra support with that and um you know meetings regularly and meditation um, is pretty big with, with my recovery. Um, and like the most important part is like, for me, for me personally is like speaking to friends like you and, um, some other close friends that I have. Um, you know, that's what I find actually most, most helpful is just sharing openly and honestly, honestly with the people that I'm close with. Um, you know, I think that, You know, I don't know, like, <clears throat> I don't know. I just like the most important thing for me is to stay like in the day as much as possible and not 
project of the future. And, you know, I, I think like, I think of use, I think of using still every day Mm -hmm. Uh, is, you know, out of every substance that I've used, there's nothing more powerful than, than for, for me, like the, the memory recall of, of using crack for whatever reason, um, I can recall, I can go there in my mind and I can go there physically too. If I start thinking about it for, you know, a minute or two, I'll, I'll start, I'll start some like, you know, body movements and twitching and, you know, I'm that, you know, I can go right there with it, you know? Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to, you know, I mean, I, I could, I could share a ton, you know, a ton more, but I'm not sure how, how useful it is. You know, I don't know. Um, You know, you know, I, I think this was obviously, you know, for me, it's a powerful story kind of hearing, you know, the details and the intricacies and, you know, in, in your last six years uh, of our friendship and our connection, you know, you know, you'd be active on social media and then be gone and not responding to like DMs or texts. And my mind would obviously go to that place of like, oh, you know, Adam's in a relapse, you know, he's kind of probably doesn't even have a phone on him, let alone responding you know, to messages. So, you know, I, I greatly do appreciate you, you know, being vulnerable in this kind of space and, you know, putting your story out there. Um, I think we have plenty of time to kind of, you know, field questions from our audience. Um, you know, so, you know, the email folks is the addict and the counselor at Gmail. Um, and anyone can email us and, you know, propose any questions and we'll definitely answer them in, in our next episode. Uh, an opportunity to kind of, you know, discuss more things in detail. Uh, but, you know, we, we do have episodes lined up and stories to tell. Um, and hopefully, you know, people, you know, will will gain something from them. This, this is our way of kind of giving back uh, to the people in our lives, uh, but also people who don't know us and, and, you know, share a story of hope. You know, Adam is still living. He's breathing. You know, he's trying to get better every single day. And, how do you fault any human being for trying to better themselves, you know, one day at a time, but that, that's all we're afforded. So, um, you know, thanks for being you know, so open and honest in this platform. Yeah, no problem. No, thanks for, you know, thanks for asking me to, to share, you know, um, I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering if we can end this with the five controversy thing that we did last episode. Yeah, you want to just transition right to something a, a, a little bit uh, lighter? Lighter? I need something. Yeah, I need something lighter right about now, I think. All right, yeah. All right. yeah, so uh, for, for, for the audience, uh, again, you know, our, our contact information is the addict and the counselor, all one word, at Gmail. Please email us if you have any questions or if you want to provide any feedback. Um, but every segment, we, we end with uh, the five controversies that hopefully people at home can kind of play along with. And Adam and I will uh, uh, play along also. Well, you'll see our dynamic play out <laughs> definitely in the five controversies. So the first first one, Adam, is right up your alley. I, I know you're going to get all fired up. So, you know, control your uh, your blood pressure on this one. How do you know um, it's up my alley? What do you? I do. I do. Okay. I, I know you well enough. So okay. the first one is Apple products 
versus Android products. Oh my god. Oh, don't even. <laughs> I mean the first the very first episode we did um I believe your your Apple Pods were giving us an issue, right? They're called happened. AirPods, okay. Whatever. Um yeah, I will not give in to Apple. I will not give in to that to that business there, right? But I will say um you know, I the out of the out of the Apple products, if I do buy, if I do go, I will give in and say that I do go Apple laptop or computer. I will give you that. Um, I will not go phone. I will not do a stupid Apple Watch. Um, I won't do any of that stuff. But I will well, do the Apple laptop. It's um, it 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 was great to me before I sold it for a hit of crack for a hundred bucks. No. Go ahead. Um, you know, f- folks who know me and, and, and you absolutely do, I, I, I'm, I'm all Mac all the time. I'm talking and using this platform on an iPhone. I have an Apple watch. I have multiple at, um, iPads around the house, uh, Apple AirPods, multiples of those. And so I, I'm all in, I have definitely drank the Kool-Aid on the Apple product. So I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not reversing course anytime soon. And you you drank the Kool Aid years ago, like oh yeah, oh yeah no I I've been on this train do, 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 probably close to twenty years now. Do you have an Apple T shirt or like gear? Um, I haven't that gone. I haven't gone that wild with it, so no clothing. Yeah, maybe we'll get you. We'll get you something. All yeah. right, and maybe the Apple fo- Apple folks are listening to this podcast. Maybe you know, send me a few T shirts and hats or whatnot. Who knows. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, controversy number two, the beach or the mountains? Okay, so I do you want me to go first? Well, I guess you're talking already. I started jumping in, and all right, everyone that knows me knows that I'm a beach guy. I'm a beach bum. Um, my friends won't even travel with me because they know I'm going to be staying for the day. I will be there at minimum five hours. Um, in my schedule and I don't have any other commitments I will be there all day as long as possible Um, I also like like I would choose heat like a 95 degree day over like a 75 degree day at the beach Um, yeah my friends won't even travel with me because they know that they've had enough after a couple hours I'm going to (laughs) be there for for a while Um, and Last thing I'll say on it is anyone that knows me knows that I take great pride in my tan. Um, so the, <laughs> first, the you know the first two couple sun, you know hot summer summer days sunny days you know out on the beach I get like you know I'll get a burn right first two days burn after that the tan I that tan that that I get. Is you do like, tan well. It's it's something special. Like people comment on it throughout the season, and then it actually lasts. Like if I get, you know, if I'm there at the beach, you know, at least three times a week throughout the summer, um, my tan will last through October, even November, like first couple of weeks. That's so. a a lot of detail that probably the audience is cringing at. So appreciate the, the full scope yeah anytime <laughs> so i like both for sure i i like natural beauty over you know concrete jungles uh, but if i were to pick 
uh, one of these, I would say 100% the beach. Love the sand, love the ocean water, uh, love the hot sun. Uh, I can just you know drink it in, um, you know, as, as much as possible. So uh, we are aligned on that one. So that's that's one for one in, in, in so far in today's controversies. So number three, the hip hop music versus any other genre. <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm I'm gonna say hip hop. Uh, I listen to it on the way to work. If I'm working out, it's the primary choice of music uh, to exercise, to run with. Um, just a you know, big fan, big fan of the creativity, uh, the artist, uh, the history. So hip hop all the way for me. <laughs> it's a tough one for me. I have to be honest. Um, so <laughs> one of my friends when I was a teenager. Um, actually asked me one day, um, and he was dead serious. He's like, do you really think you're Tupac? Like he, he said this to me in all seriousness. I'm like, yeah. And, um, so I'm a big hip hop nineties hip hop guy. You know, I'll listen to, you know, Tupac, Biggie, Mob Deep, Nas, um, you know, Noriega, you know, all those guys, Redman, like any day week dmx you give them to me but what i find like what i find like i'll put on on the radio or like first on spot is country it's country really? it's what yeah it's my go-to wow. um yeah wow. i yeah we diff we differ on that one moving on moving on to number four but i will still out lyric you of like any rap song just so you know Sure, sure, sure. Okay. I believe it when I see it. All right. Controversy number four. Sports or no sports? Say that again. Sports or no sports? Sports or no sports? Like watching it? Yeah. Yeah. Your your main kind of go-to, you know, when you you get home and, and, and relax. Yeah. I mean, I would say, yeah, I mean, I... I've gone through different periods with this. So like right now it's no, it's no sports, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's been long periods of it's Celtic every, every game I'm catching, you know, Red Sox, you know, uh, you know, I'm catching as much as that as I can, you know, but yeah, I mean, really it's no sports right now. It's phases mm-hmm. with me with that phases. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's, it's all sports, uh, you know, morning ESPN, you know, after I get home from work, ESPN, uh, weekend, trying to ca- catch all any kind of like, you know, sports on TV over the last handful of years. I, I've even kind of gotten comfortable enjoying watching golf, uh, right. you know, the big, t- big tourneys on the weekend. So, you know, sports all the time, every time, if, if it's possible. So, yeah. Who do you root? I'm curious. Who do you, for NFL, who do you root for? I mean, We'll we'll get that you know we'll get into that in, in later episodes. But the folks who know me know you know uh, growing up in Massachusetts, never a Patriots fan. Uh, <laughs> I find my calling. I, I found you know my community. You know the Kansas City Chiefs is my favorite team, and it has been my favorite team for probably about uh, 30, 30 years now. Probably yeah. if not a, a little bit more. So yeah. I'm not just a, a late 
you know, bandwagon jumper uh, because of you know, recent Super Bowls. Anyway, controversy number five. We'll end, we'll end with a strong one, and I think it's a really heated topic amongst all people. Vanilla or chocolate ice cream? Yeah, I'm a vanilla guy. God, how do you look at yourself? Yeah, where I mean, wherever you know, whatever's on the table for that, like I'll go, I'll go vanilla usually. Um, yeah, it's just that easy for me. That hurts. Chocolate, chocolate, (laughs) chocolate is the flavor. Chocolate is the ice cream. Uh, vanilla is vanilla is a flavor, Jesus. you know. It does have a flavor, vanilla. You're acting I like know. it doesn't. When people describe things, Adam, and they say, Oh, that's vanilla, it's usually a very <laughs> a, a low description of something. Yeah, you know why they say that? Because it's just like common, you're ba- it's so it's basic. It's basic but flavor. There you go. There you go. Vanilla is basic, chocolate is amazing. So we'll 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 end the episode on, on that one. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, I'll, I'll talk with you soon. All right. Yeah, for sure. Again, for the audience, uh, if you have any uh, comments, um, you know, please email us directly the attic and the counselor at gmail.com. We hope to have these podcasts uh, up and running on a weekly basis. Uh, please find us on Spotify, uh, the attic and the counselor uh, with Adam and Barbaros. And so uh, hopefully you all tune in uh, for this episode and for next week's episode. Thank you.